Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to the Man and Hastings podcast. I'm Jamie Juicefer with Zach Menes, and we have a special guest today all the way from the other side of the planet, not really, other side of the continent. He's an artist, he's a stud, he's a friend. Please welcome Johnny in Paris. What's up, man? What's up, brother? How you doing? How you guys doing? Doing good. Yeah, we're doing good, good. How's things in your neck of the woods these days? You know, everything everything shut down here in Paris, man. You know, everything's <laughs> just like, you know, no bread, no cheese, nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, it, you know, it's a, it's probably like the same, man. We're in quarantines like everyone else. You know, we got an extension until I think the 18th. So it's just weird vibes all around, dude, to be honest. Yeah. It's weird. How about you guys? I think the 18th is when our um, when we start opening some businesses yeah and they start loosening the ties i think the 18th is actually the date for us too yeah the 14th or one of those days i mean for those um who don't know most people know we're in vancouver and johnny you are in boston johnny in boston (laughs) yeah yeah um so funny you say that sorry after you man no no after you no i was just gonna say it's funny how how many people actually get mad at that when they're like, you know, I, I think I had like a, a, a painting for sale and it was like pickup only. And like a person DM'd me and it was like, oh, what part of like, you know, what part in Paris are you in? And I'm like, oh, no, man, like I'm in Boston. I'm like, what? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And you got like super mad. So they must have been French. So where does the, yeah, where does yeah, the so Paris thing come from then? Kanye and Jay-Z. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, you sounded so disappointed, man. Yeah, like, I'm disappointed in myself. Obviously. I'm disappointed in myself for not being like, obviously, uh, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's where it comes from. A little Kanye, uh, Jay-Z action. Yeah. That's a rad name, by the way. I really like it. It's cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, and uh, so you just, you're, you're into hip-hop and that's what inspired it or what? You know, I go in and out. I'm more into like, uh, you know, pop punk rock stuff like that but you know i i like i like you know to quality high tech uh most deaf you know kanye like a lot of those guys uh i don't know what the word is but i don't know what the word is but like they, they teach you something in it you know what i mean it's like that like quali speaks to me he's always trying to teach in his lyrics so i yeah, like that type of stuff i like the old kanye <laughs> you know so so a lot of our listeners johnny they're they're familiar with us so we collect art we're collectors if they've seen us in the uh in studio they've seen some of your pieces in the background or follow us on instagram we've definitely talked about you on the michael dubin episodes we've talked about you quite a bit as well but um i mean for the people who might not know you could you could you give us a little bit of history on on you and where you come from in art uh we want to uh you're 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 a you're kind of a a big force in the scene right now and you're on the come up and we'd like to hear where you're coming where you're coming from um let's see i i i kind of have like the typical you know cliche art art guy story you know i started doing art you know when i was young you know drawing sketching getting in trouble in school drawing cartoons and um i really like a a lot of people probably don't know this but art wasn't always accepted like it is today you know so if you were younger and you're doing art, it was like, well, you're never going to make anything out of yourself because you're not good in social studies, English, math, whatever. I, I so definitely I like remember that. Of, 
Yeah, man. And I think like a lot of people got that creative side of them beat out of them. And I think that's probably why we see a lot of, in my opinion, unhappy people in, in the workforce today is because they, they had a creative side and, and education told them that they weren't ever going to be anything with that. So they kind of just ditched it. <clears throat> so I kind of did the same, you know, I, I was never really good in school. I hated math. I hated all those classes and people weren't pushing me to be creative. And so I kind of started getting into like, you know, the wrong crowds. Um, so I lost that creative side of my mind. I got super, super deep into just like some really dark stuff. And um, I couldn't create anymore, man. And it came to a point where maybe about eight or nine years ago, um, I don't know what, can you say like crazy stuff on this podcast? Yeah, whatever you want. Okay. okay. <clears throat> so I remember, you know, I, I just started getting involved in the wrong crowd and, and, and I lost touch of that creative side of my mind. It was gone. That's the kind of stuff I was doing. Um, and I remember just being completely like coked up. Right. And I wanted to draw and I put a pen to a piece of paper and like nothing came out like nothing. And like, in a weird way, I was like super sad about it. Um, it just seemed like I didn't know myself anymore. So long story short, um, my mom was one of those, you know, we hear the story with like fathers that just don't show up. You know what I mean? You make plans and they don't show up. And uh, my mom was one of those, unfortunately. And one day she showed up and she took me to an art store. And I was early 20s and she was like you can get whatever you want and I didn't know anything about art I didn't know anything about canvases acrylics oils I knew nothing so I go into this art store and I get this canvas I get like three colors and I get a brush and I think the, I think that the paint that I got was like it's for shirts it wasn't even like painting paint and then I went into you know this little room I was renting and I just started painting that was like the first time I actually fell in love with painting and uh yeah man so that's kind of a very brief way to that's really say cool it, i guess man. that's like it's cool that you that you recognize that when you try to put pen to ink or, or pen to paper and you know and found like fuck i got nothing here yeah feel like an empty vessel i guess and then to yeah but then to you know have your mom show up that's you know not around and then you know the whole story is it's beautiful and uh did you did you keep that painting do you still have it i still have that canvas it was so it was like a, it's a 24 by 30 uh wood panel and so pretty much what happened was i made a decision that i want to learn how to paint so by doing that i stopped going out i stopped hanging out with people i completely isolated myself because i made a decision that i want to learn how to do this so instagram wasn't big like it is today back then yeah. and there was an artist by the name of emilio ramos and i just so happened to see his art on instagram and he had like really really clean lines it was amazing i never seen anything like it and i was like i want to I wasn't like, I want to be able to do that. I was like, I want to be able to do that a thousand times better than him. So that was like my mentality. I don't want to be this guy. I want to be better. And that's not an ego thing. It's just a mentality, right? So what I would do is I would sit in my... It's where you sit in the bar. It's where you sit. Yeah, exactly. So I would 
sit in my room. I wouldn't go out anymore. My friend's like, yo, what's up, man? I'm like, nah, dude, I got to do some stuff. And it was to paint. And so what I would do is I would practice painting clean lines. And then I would, I would do it for hours and hours and hours. And then I would white out the board with the white paint I had. And then I'd do it again. And then I'd do it again and again and again and again and again. And finally, I started seeing results. And that's when kind of the grind started coming in. Just like, okay, how do I get this stuff out there? And, uh, you know, you got to learn the craft kind of before you show it. What were the first kind of images that you were, were producing at that point? Like you mentioned just lines, but then when you say yeah. we're going to, how do I get this stuff out of, out there? What is this stuff? So I was like the line work. I was literally just doing lines. I just wanted to switch it up. You know, I went from lines to doing lines, literally, mm. you know, I, I wanted to just, just do, it was literally just lines everywhere. I just wanted to get them as crisp as I could. So like yeah, it was, it's very abstract. Okay. And then I started incorporating, you know, a bunch of, you know, maybe like an eyeball or a circle or clean lines with circles. And uh, so I was very poor. I, I, I probably had like 10 cents to my name, dude. I had like a Louis, a fake Louis Vuitton wallet. I had nothing. I owed people uh, money for the room I was renting. I was like months and months behind. I was, I was screwed, man. And my wife, well, my girlfriend at the time, owned a cake shop so i don't know if you guys know this but cakes come on boards like they wrap them whatever tin foil so that matches the cake and you can't just hand someone a cake and be like here you go here's your cake (laughs) it's on like a stand and they're cut out to fit the cake so she would give me these scrap pieces of cardboard um that she wouldn't use that she'd normally just toss out and since i couldn't afford any art materials or nothing like nothing I started like painting or drawing on these pieces of cardboard and those became my first actual pieces of art. It was some pretty dark stuff, but it was always very pop culture related. And uh, yeah, man, that was the first work that I had ever put together. And that started it all is just make use of what you can get your hands on and 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 run with it you know sounds like you just had something in you that needed to come out right it's just and it's just following your nose yeah man i think i think ever i use this example when talking to people everyone's dna is different right everyone's got different dna there's no dna that's the same but there's something that's in certain people's dna that if you want to go after something there's nothing that's ever going to stop you i get you and i think that that's in my DNA. And I know it's in a lot of people. It's just a mentality, you know, Mamba mentality. It's a mentality, man. It sounds like there's a little bit of desperation attached to your situation too. And you, you know, you using the cardboard and all that stuff and sort of, yeah. uh, which is, uh, you know, I mean, an artist struggle, I mean, whether it be music or, you know, painting or whatever, it's, um, it's real, man. When people are passionate about what they're doing, it, um, you know, it gets desperate at times and it gets, uh, you know, like real bleak, you know, but, uh, when most people give up, like 99.9% of people give up. And, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, like you were saying earlier about, um, people telling you, you're not going to make it in this world with that. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Well, most of the people that don't make it quit. And, yeah. you know, it's not 
not because they weren't talented because there's plenty of talented people out there that quit. So, uh, it's, um, it says a lot about a person's character as well. You know, what they're able to endure to, uh, to get there, you know, know, I'm, I'm almost ashamed to say it, but I feel like I'm one of those guys that got it beat out of me, uh, in a way that like, I, where I wanted to do it myself. I was, I, I, I resonate so much with your story, like getting in trouble, drawing, then falling in with people that I didn't really like or care about because I had this like itch that needed to be scratched, which ended up being creatively, but I didn't really know it at the time. And, um, uh, I, I really feel like I got that beat out of me wanting to paint, do the, the things that you do. Uh, and, yeah. and now I do my best to try and use the resources that I have now to put, uh, to put people like that in, in good places or try and support art where I can. Yeah. I mean, let me tell you something. So in fourth, in fourth grade in, in the whole beating out, it's real. The whole beating out thing is real. In fourth grade, South park was huge. This is what 90, 97, 98 South park was, we, I was allowed to watch it, but there was Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo. I don't know if you guys remember that guy, the little you know piece of shit with a Christmas hat, Santa hat. And I made one in uh, 3D art class out of paper mache. And I thought it was awesome. It was cool. I had like, my, I made my own, you know, Mr. Hanky. Like who does, I was, I was pumped, dude. My friends loved it. You know, I loved it, whatever. And next thing you know, I'm brought into um, the principal's office. And there is my Mr. Hanky figure. And my mom's in there. And I get suspended for two weeks. Two weeks I got suspended from school for making That's that. That's crazy. And, and, and now, like, I end up working at this warehouse, this comic book warehouse, and they were shipping a bunch of stuff to the stores, and I was putting tags on it. And one of the things that was tagging was a plush Mr. Hanky plush doll. That's so you going were working to a store at a comic book place, and, you were, and when, people would sh- when you would ship orders, you would tag them? Like, you know, I worked at a warehouse. So, like, you know, all price the vendors. Tag. Not price tag, not a tag oh. <laughs> yeah i was putting yeah so like the vendors would send their stuff and like i'd be putting price tags on it to ship to the store oh, i thought you were like some guy in the warehouse like tagging all the shit that was going out or no, whatever no no <laughs> and then in my head i was like i i paid a price for for making this 15 years ago yeah. and, and here i am just like sending it to a gift shop and it just shows how different mentalities are than you know than they used to be that's crazy, man, because, you know, uh, you know, did anybody stop to look at it and go, wow, this is really good craftsmanship or, you know, this kid's got some talent? You know, no, they just saw a piece of shit. No. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, Literally, right? So, I mean, it's, it's kind of sad. Like, um, I mean, it's sort of off topic, but um, it's all perspective. Like, um, my, uh, one of my daughters, when she was – I think she would have been probably about seven or eight years old or something. And, um, yeah, she would have probably actually eight or nine. She was in school and, um, she got, uh, she got pushed by some boy. So she slugged him, knocked him down. Nice. And, uh, yeah. And, um, the school called us in and all that stuff. And, and, um, I, she, sorry, I, I forgot a piece of the story. She had gotten in trouble um for telling um telling other kids in the in the coat room what the band lmfao stood for like what the Mm -hmm. letters for so she had said the word fuck so she 
got called down there, she knew she was in trouble for saying fuck. So she was crying. She was upset. You know, she's like, oh, I'm sorry, whatever. And I was like, okay, whatever. And we laughed, no big deal. But, you know, she knew she wasn't allowed to swear. But then um, with this kid situation, she slugged the kid and then um, got called down there and she was fine. And I got there and I'm like, yeah, you seem okay. She's like, yeah, well. She's like, he pushed me, so I've defended myself like you've always told me. And, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. And teachers were like, oh, we might have to suspend her. I said, do what you want. I'm taking her for ice cream. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's um, dope. So, you know, you kind of, uh, I mean, it's a different situation. But, you know, um, if your mom or your parent had been supporting your art from home, you know, they yeah. might come into that situation and been like, oh, you can suspend them if you want to, but I'm going to take them for ice cream, yeah. you know, because a really nice little piece you did here or what, you know, whatever. Right. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, sometimes so, I feel like in the art world, it's like a, can we, can we say for sure that that resistance didn't, didn't kind of lead to how big the Renaissance of art became Right. Like, I mean, I feel like I feel like having that group of people being so resistant to us gave us that fire like you had, Johnny, to like go for go even further with it. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, if someone was just I, I wonder, like I wonder if it turned out the same overflowed way. And people are like, nah, this is cool. Let's make it happen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a good point, too. Like, how big would the civil rights movement be if, if everybody was just like, oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. And fixed it. Be like, yeah. So, you know, yeah. It wouldn't be a thing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes who knows? And then who knows what kind of minds that you get that get created out of that? I truly believe that that the best minds get shaped out of uh, out of adversity. Str- yeah, adversity. Yeah, mm-hmm. struggle, adversity. And uh, not to say that like a rich kid can't grow up to be who sees less struggles to be someone great. It's just uh, Kobe, for example. You brought him up, Mamba. Before he was a guy that grew up without with with all the privileges in the world, but we also learned how to work hard. And I think that's yeah. the, that's the thing is where, where parents failed or authorities fail is they don't teach people how to like, like nurture their gifts at the same time of like trying to put a leash around them and how to conduct themselves and, and, and whatnot. Well, I think that, I mean, to add to what you're saying, you're hundred percent right. I think what a lot of people forget about, or a lot of people don't think about is there's no shortcut. There's no shortcuts that's at it. all. You know what I mean? Like, if someone hit me up and I do get a lot of questions like, you know, how do you do this? How do you do that? The answer is simple. It's not my brush. It's not the paint. It's the skill. It's what you put into it. It's what you put in is what you're going to get out. And I think that if you're well off, you think you deserve it, you know, and, and, you know, and that's not for all people. So that's you know, the stereotypical mentality though. Yeah. I get but I think that like a lot of people, especially with social media being so big and art being so prevalent on social media right now, a lot of people think, oh, that kid's making all this money off doing that. I'm going to take a shortcut and I'm going to replicate what he's doing because that seems to be working. But what they don't know is what works for me necessarily doesn't work for, for you. But also like, listen, you got to hear my story too. Like I didn't just wake up and draw on a piece of paper and be like, okay, this is 200 bucks. And it's sold like that. You know what I mean? I, I've, it doesn't work like that. And I think a lot of people don't realize that they just see the end product and they want to do that. And they don't know how to replicate it. How you replicate it is no, doing no. the work. Yeah, That's absolutely. You I mean, like so. you talked about with that board and just doing lines, whiting out the board, doing lines and whiting out the board. I mean, 
that is um, not how people want to become a painter, let's say. You know, they want to just be, I'm inspired and just throw their paint at the thing and go, it's wonderful, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, you know, no, I'm going to make this good. This is going to be quality. And it's going to, you know, being in a situation like, like we're in um, growing up um, without, um, without money in life, um, you know for a fact that if you want something, you're going to have to earn it or steal it. Yeah. So, you know, the, um, I mean, there's no delusions for you. You knew that if you wanted those crispy lines, you were going to have to practice making crispy lines. Yeah. 100%. There's no 200 brush that you're just going to go buy that's going to make it easier. Exactly. No, not at all. Yeah. Just like it feels so much better if you earn something yourself. If you earn it yourself, it, it just means so much more. If you're if you're fortunate enough to have someone buy it for you, yeah, you might like it, but you don't value it the same. It's the same thing, dude. If I gave you, if there was a a a, a pack that I could sell you that made you a really good artist, and that's not to say I'm the biggest artist or the best, you know. But you you said you like rap. If there was like a a, a rap starter kit like you were rapping you're battle rapping if there's a battle rapping starter kit for 99.99 no learn learn how to rap you're not gonna buy it for a hundred bucks yeah i can't uh, I, I can't disagree with you there that's a great analogy yeah for sure no. what, are you what are you working on now are you uh are you in the middle of some uh, works or a series or <clears throat> um so long story short i i had this uh i had a pop-up in new york city that was just really awesome. It was a dream come true. So I was going to take a couple, you know, I was going to go on a little bit of a sabbatical after that. <laughs> there he goes, repping the shirt. Um, I was going to take a little bit of a sabbatical and uh, just chill out, maybe go to South America for a little bit, have a sister down there. And then Corona hit. Um, so I just kind of found myself in my house. So I was like, oh man, like I'm a little wiped out. I'm drained. Um, but you know, got to keep this train moving. So I'm just like, you know, doing a lot of commissions right now. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be booked out probably like eight months, dude. Like, like it has to be like eight months. I'm booked out. I can't take anymore. You know you. what I mean? Like, I just can't. Yeah. So it's just, you know, I'm very fortunate. You know what I mean? I don't take it for granted. I just, if I sit down and I watch TV, I'm like, what am I doing? Like I could be, I could be productive. You know, I don't want to watch the Kardashians. You know, yeah, you've got to be human too, though, right? You got to take the moment for yourself. That's yeah, yeah. You know, so that your so that your passion doesn't become just work. You know, totally. Yeah. And the inspiration for all these characters that you paint and these things that you do came from hours of watching TV as a kid. You got to pay tribute to. You got to put yourself back in those shoes to if you want to keep that creativity going, right? A hundred percent, man. And I feel like if you if you if you you're right on like taking that time off because if you if you keep on doing the exact same thing over and over it's going to get dull it's like you're not really everyone's already seen the same thing from you it's like show me something new and your collectors so usually, will start to see that exactly so if you do take you know i haven't really taken a full week off yet which i should i'll probably once i close this laptop i'm taking a week off um you see something, you, you might see something that sparks you and brings you in a different direction. So I definitely see, I see the, see the importance of that for sure. Well, let's talk, let's talk about you as an artist a little bit and how you fit into, uh, you know, the whole, we, we are, we're always talking about the wheel of collecting and, um, uh, and how the collector fits in within the wheel, within the role of art and how it sits now. And you being uh, an artist that's, 
heavily on the come up right now and is, uh, I mean, someone that you see your name everywhere, all over art groups and all over kind of Instagram. Um, I mean, I have trouble to, for, for the direct question that I'm asking, but like, I'm so interested to hear about what it's like for someone to see their name get more popular online, see their work get more popular online and how you react to that. I mean, it's scary, man. If you want an honest answer, it's scary. And, and, and I think it's because I, if you're passionate about something, we all know, okay, John, you're passionate about art, but if you're passionate about something, um, it's because it's personal. So I think that when you see something that's very personal to you be, you know, on a, on a bigger level, um, I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's definitely a scary, it's scary at first, I guess you would make the adjustments and you kind of accept it. Um, I, I give a, an example. Do you guys remember those photos where it's like two vases and then it's like, or it's like a silhouette of, um, of like, uh, a person's face, you know what I'm yeah, talking about? Kind of, kind of when it in the middle, they. Yeah, it's like two together. pictures in one. Which one did you see? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I kind of, I'm kind of fortunate to kind of have that in my artwork because you can look at it and say, okay, he's he's painting cartoons that are established, but behind a lot of my paintings are actually like really kind of darker, you know, funny stories that are about my life. So if you're collecting art and you like pop art, you're like, okay, I love this Fred Flintstone piece, Fred, excuse me, Fred Flintstone piece. But if you actually want to know me as an artist, you can also collect that same piece and get a story with it and appreciate it more. So I can actually kind of hide in like that sort of, well, I just collect art to collect art or I collect art because this guy's awesome. Um, and there's a story behind this piece. So I just did a, Am I talking too much? No, man. <laughs> oh, no, I can feel it. No. I hate yes, talking man. about yes. me. I'm really interested, though, bro, just, just, to, just to give you some confidence in between here. Like, we're, we look at you guys like, this is the thing. I, I buy people's albums sometimes because of the art on the cover, not because of the music on the CD or the music and the yeah. whatever, right? That's where, how I was growing up. So, like, I look at visual artists uh, painters and that is as rock stars in a lot of ways. I remember when I yeah. first started collecting toys and art and dunnies, I remember it's like that delusion that I thought people thought that I was living in a mansion off a of battle rap. I thought you were living in a mansion off of selling $200 prints kind of thing. Like there's this part of me yeah. that looks at you guys in this, in this beam of light. Um, and I, I'd love to see a renaissance of the visual artist become more of a rock star. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, a lot of it, I think, is, I mean, I do well. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm not like, you know, there's, I'm, I'm pretty honest. I like being honest with, with, uh, with people that collect my artwork. I do well for myself, but I mean, it's, I don't live in a mansion. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's grind behind it that people don't see. You know what I mean? Like, for example, let's talk flippers, right? Let's talk flippers. I'm okay with that. If you want to flip my work, flip it. Everyone's got to hustle. I respect it. You know, at the same time, the flippers aren't the people that are getting all the DMs and emails of sad people. You know, like, hey, man, I really missed out. I guess I'm going to have to go pay, you know, $200 for something that you were selling for 50. Like the flippers don't see that side of it, that I have to get all the, all the customer service inquiries. Right. Yeah. Um, and I've never, th I've never thought about that before either, mm -hmm. ever. Right now. Yeah. It, it, Sorry. It, it, like, it, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. 
but I get it, man. It's like, it, it's part of the game. You know what I mean? And it's, it benefits you in a way at the same time. It's like, if I release a print and then like 10 of them end up on eBay, I might get like 50 people like, oh damn, man, like I missed out. But what am I going to do? The guy already paid me what I was asking for it. Like, there's just like a lot of things I don't think people really think about and they don't have to think about it. But it definitely does it. I guess it's more learning the business side of it. There comes a point where you're no longer really an artist, you essentially turn into a businessman as well. And I think that's kind of really trippy. It's a, it's a weird experience, man. Well, because most artists don't have a business sense. Not saying all, of course, but I would, say, I, would, I would say most artists don't have a business sense because that side of their brain just, you know, isn't functioning at the level that that creative side is. And that, yeah. I mean, thank goodness for that. I mean, you know, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm happy about it. Or whatever. Yeah, I'm grateful for the creatives of the world. Like yeah, that. but, uh, you know, but it's, I mean... It, it's the truth about things. I mean, um, some people are just, you know, more analytical. Some people are more artistic and that's just the way it is. But, uh, so when you're, um, sort of on the same topic, when you see not about, uh, resellers, but about, um, seeing your works in, um, on Instagrams, you get tagged in and stuff like that. Uh, is there like, uh, do you get us feeling some sort of way when you see your pieces in collections with other artists that you might admire and things like that and give you sort of a sense of, okay, we're here, you know? Yeah, man. Um, yeah, it's, you know, success, if we're talking success, I mean, that's success. When you start seeing, your, you know, your, your art, you know, hanging next to a cause piece or, you know, people that collect, you know, Warhol or Coons or Jerk, whoever it is, when you see your art next to them, you're like, wow, like, this is awesome. It takes a while to process because I think that you're not, there's no end result. You know what I mean? It's not, okay, once I get to this certain point, then I'm going to feel successful. It's you turn your car on and you're just like, I need to go, 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 go. And you rarely stop to actually look at it. And you do need to take those weeks, you know what I mean? When it's happening in real time, you don't really recognize it. But when you look at your small apartment and you realize that you have like 12 commissions lined up that are going all over the world and you know what those people collect and what they paid for it, you smile internally. And then you take that second to smile and then you're like, yo, let's fucking go. Let's go. Let's fucking go. Let's do this. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, man, I think that, so it, it is really good to see that, but I'm not done. You don't, you don't, you don't pat yourself on the back and, and, and throw a party for yourself. You know, you give yourself a high five and then you just grind even harder. So it's more motivational uh, to me to see stuff like that. And yeah, it's awesome. man. So I, it's I, weird, but it's awesome. I got a question. Um, so so I think that there's a lot of phases of success in art. There's that point where, you know, you're getting a lot of likes on Instagram and then, you know, you're selling things that you're producing. And I think that it's an accolade in itself to sell something that you produce, especially to someone that you don't know, that mm-hmm. being the next one, right? Like someone just hits it yeah. up and likes it. And then there's like producing prints, selling out of those prints. And then there's seeing like a resale market, right? There's like actually yeah. seeing your name on eBay coming. There's artists that I collect that I don't see on eBay and 
admittedly, like your name has popped up in art groups for the past two years, I would say, uh, more so and more so you kind of, you, you, you see it more and more. And like, was there anything that you did or, or any events or pieces that you released or exhibits that you created that was that, that really formulated that turning point when things started to really turn for you? Yeah, man. Um, so I refused to make prints for a long time. I that just didn't want to do it. I was, you know, I, I had done like maybe like really, really like maybe two, like I made two prints once upon a time. And my friend, um, Eric, uh, he has a company called Mess Syndicate. We're really good friends. And, and he hit me up. I was, I was bitching about something on Instagram. Like I used to go off, man. I'm like, you know, fuck everyone. Like no one understands me. I used to like freak out in, and he's like, dude, if you want to get your name out there, you need to start making prints. And I was in this mentality. It's like, like, no, if someone wants to collect my art, they're getting original. So I was selling my original paintings at some point for the price that I would charge for, you know, maybe a more higher end print. And then it was gone. It was literally gone. Once you sell the original, it's gone. Yeah. So I was like, look, man, like I, I, I kind of got to make this happen. Maybe I'll actually seriously look into print. So about a year and some change now, I I did a I made a print um, of an original painting, and that's the only thing I'll make a print off of. It has to be an original painting, or else it's just digital work. You know what I mean? Like it has to come from a, a, an original painting thought. Uh, I usually I, buy prints that are off original paintings. I I've been disappointed in the past when I found out that it was from digital works. Yeah, it's just like a digital drawing that you made. Um, so I ended up releasing um, this 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 uh print it was a really small print and this is where mike comes in this here's a little here's a little dubin story for you right so i released this print called just be happy and it was a smurf and instead of holding a little present box like the the regular copyrighted image i put a little pill it was like a like a volume or whatever and it's like just be happy that's that's what it was called and i didn't tell anyone about it and i released it and it sold out in minutes minutes I made an edition of 20, but I called it an open edition, which doesn't make any sense. You can't have an open edition if it's a numbered edition. Right. So I released 10, sold out. I released the next 10, sold out. And Mike called me and he was like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm fucking selling print. Making bread, bro. He's like, <laughs> yeah, trying to, trying to get this paper, man. Um, and he was like, you can't have an open edition. I stole it from Cause, actually. Cause is making open editions. Well, what does that mean? That means he can, you know, release as many as he wants. So my mentality was, okay, I'm going to do an open edition print, edition of 20, and then if I want to make more, I can make more. Yeah. But I didn't know the wording of it. I didn't get that. So Mike calls me up, and, and we've been friends for a while now, and he was like, hey, dude, this makes no sense. Let me introduce you to the wording of what collectors see it as. So it ended up being like a edition of 20 scrapped to open edition didn't make any sense. Um, so I don't, is, is that on topic? I don't know if I just. No, no, that's great. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So that's, so ever since that, ever since that print came out, it's just been, it, it, it kind of uh, snowballed where like, you know, a, a print release turned into from selling out in five minutes. 10 minutes it turned into a minute then it turned into 13 seconds it like 
stayed within that, like within one, one second to like 30 second range. And it was like, this is, this is fucking crazy. This is nuts. Like, what is this shit? Um, so Dubin, Dubin is a really big part of this. Is what... Yeah. Dubin. I don't know what to call Mike because he's so well versed in so many, so many different things that he's like a Swiss army knife for creativity. <laughs> yeah, he totally is. He's the Dubin man. <laughs> yeah. And you know, he's taught me a lot about the business from the collector's side. And what I always say is collectors have rules, right? Artists don't have rules. So it's really hard to look at the business side and then start implementing rules into your creativity. Um, as weird as that might sound, um, there's a lingo that you have to learn that in talking to Mike, I mean, we've, I've gone at Mike, I've gone at his throat because I just didn't understand like why I couldn't do that, do things I wanted to anymore this way. But then you have to, there's a collector's world now. You got to understand it. You got to figure it out. So that's been a challenge for me. Um, but it's been awesome, man. Uh, the support that collectors, you know, even being on this podcast, it's insane, man. You, you play for the fans. You know what I mean? Um, as personal as the game as basketball might be to you, you still play for the fans. And I think that's a, that's a good way to put it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. It's like, uh, it's like Dennis Rodman said, he says uh, in that series, he said, I play basketball for free. I get paid for all the bullshit around it, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, you're painting for free. You're getting paid for all the bullshit around it, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, we're excited to have you on. Um, uh, um, if, if you, I mean, you probably know, but we're, you know, we're avid art collectors and, uh, and fans. And, um, and I really appreciate the fact that you are doing uh, prints now because – it gives, you know, people an opportunity to possess um, some of your work without, you know, that maybe can't afford an original piece and, uh, but still gives them the opportunity to have something and it's numbered and it's, you know, yeah. there's a limited amount of all they are. And yeah, and it's just, it's a nice thing. Like mm. um, it's a nice thing for a collector. It means a lot to us. Like I've got, you know, I've got a bunch of pieces, uh, uh, prints and stuff that are, you know, additions of, you know, X amount or whatever. And, uh, and they mean as much to me as my originals. Yeah. Um, so, um, it's nice to have, and I'm glad that you're doing that and, um, making it possible for people to have your works. Like you said, once that original has gone, it's gone, mm. you know, and someone might just, be obsessed with it and they'll never have it. They'll never, you know, it'll, you know, because you're an artist and you're going to move on, you, you know, and you're going to yeah. creating the way you create and then, and uh, whatever inspires you next. Right. Yeah. I heard, um, I heard, I don't remember it was, it, it might've been like uh, maybe a, uh, it was a podcast that there was an auction guy that was talking and, and I always heard that, They'll ask you what's in your collection if you're buying from an art gallery. What's in your collection? What's in your collection? And they want to know, not because they want to, I mean, maybe they want to judge you on your collection and how much money you have and they'll jack it up, maybe 10 grand if you have like all these original Coons or Warhols or whatever. But they actually ask because they want to know where this piece is going because they don't want it to fall off the face of the earth. 
Yeah. Um, I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's. Uh, I got an email recently from. I can't remember what. I talk to so many galleries all the time, just fishing for good deals. But uh, yeah, about, yeah. about Trey Abdella's work, the mystic mystic fish stick guy, um, and uh, I haven't responded to the email yet because I want to think it out. But yeah, they had asked me all of these questions about my collection. Can you tell us a little bit about your history and collecting, what your collection collection looks like now, some of the pieces that you currently own, some of your trade, like yeah. they went really deep in the sense of uh, what they wanted to know about me and where they wanted the pieces to go. Uh, Jamie and I both bought the most recent um, Javier Kalia uh, prints. Yeah. I dropped the up to you ones and they're not sending out the COAs until six months after this. So like, oh, really? Yeah. So you can, the, you can see these artists. I mean, so Javier Kalia becomes a guy that I really want to support as an artist because there's these like two hats that I wear as a collector. There's art that I like, and then there's art that I think that will uh, appreciate in value. And then there's, you know, there's art that does both. And obviously you want to try and do both as much as possible. Uh, and the Javier Kalia piece is, uh, is an interesting one because of those COAs being sent out six months later, or because of you doing certain, um, uh, certain things with the way that you, you drop your prints, it, it puts a certain faith in me as a collector, making me want to purchase more of your work because you take yourself seriously. Yeah. 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 The only thing that Javier Kalia, I think did that was kind of a bummer is he priced it out. He, he priced it in a way to sort of phase out reselling as well. He made it pretty expensive. So, um, hmm which is kind of a bummer, but at the same time, I get it. I mean, it's worth it. It's, I mean, I have it hanging on my wall and it's beautiful. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I'm okay with it. You know, I don't plan to sell it. I'm actually going to give it to one of my daughters. Um, but, uh, I'm trying to get my daughters more into uh, contemporary pop art, you know, and I'm yeah. sort of, so I'm sort of giving them pieces and, and, um, yeah. So anyway, um, but that's an interesting, that's an interesting thing that you said is that you, he, you, he priced it high because in my, in my head, once you price something, you can't go back. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't charge $5,000 for a painting. You know what I mean? And then get like, maybe, maybe sell like three or four paintings a, a year because that's, I mean, that's a lot of money, no matter how you cut it. That's a lot of money. Five grand is a lot of money. Yeah, it is. And then realize that I want to sell more. So I'm going to drop my paintings now down to like 500. You can't do that. So if you're going to release something with a high price, like you can never go back. Like, I don't think you can go back. You can't then go you back. Just you better the people. Yeah, you better make sure that you're that guy with that reputation and that yeah. that sought after. You know that you can maintain that because exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, you're, you're that's interesting. Right. Yeah. But I do agree with like pricing out a flipper is interesting. But like guys, I got it. There's got to be a conspiracy here to some extent. Extent in the <laughs> art world where. Like, I truly don't believe guys like, I mean, guys like Cause and Javier Kalia can say all day that they don't like seeing their stuff flip for all this money, but they reap the benefits of it every single time they release a product over and over and over again. I mean, Correct. I have a really tough time believing that they're not supporters of it, and to at least a certain degree. Like, I, I mean, I get that there's, there's parts of it that can probably be, be bad, but whatever. Um, but with that being said, I honestly feel like they're just spinning a story by saying we're pricing out flip we're we're pricing out flippers and and only the real collectors will get it because I get people 
talking about the Javier all the time to me, asking me to sell it to them. And I tell them, no, like I'm keeping this one for a while. I think it's got a lot of potential and I haven't even framed it yet. I want to look at it up on my fucking wall. But the whole concept of, of the resale market not being advantageous to the artist, I think is something that we are really, I mean, I don't even want to say blind towards because I think everybody sees it. Everyone just doesn't talk about it. It's a big elephant in the room, I guess. Yeah. yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I mean, I can only speak for myself. Like, am I going to lie? Is it cool to see something reselling on eBay for the first time? You're like, yeah, man, someone values something that I've made enough to, you know, resell it and they have a hustle and, and, and all right, cool, man. I get it. I think that when you start cutting people out, when people start getting cut out because of these flippers, that's when it starts bothering me. Um, at the same time, it's like, you know, if you start thinking about it, start mentally, start giving all your energy to it, you're going to drive yourself crazy. It's like, it's, I'm not famous and I'm not the biggest artist, but I can only imagine why celebrities stop reading their comments. Because if you start reading them, you're going to eventually go crazy and you're going to start questioning yourself. So I have a rule for me, my friends, don't send me screenshots of shit you see on eBay. Just don't send me screenshots because I'm mess with it. So stop getting me all riled up because if I have, you know, someone told me, so I'm like dehydrated. Um, someone told me they, they sent me an email and my son is autistic and he really loves your art and he responds really well to your art. And I thought that was super cool. And he missed out on the print cause it sold out. And then I saw one on eBay for like, it was like 200, $250. Um, like, come on, man. Like, I, you don't, the flipper doesn't have to hear that story. I'm not going to send him to eBay to go buy it, but it still sucks. You still feel like a certain type of way. Yeah. So after I kind of like got that kind of story, I'm like, look, man, I'm not even looking anymore. Like, it, it's like, who wants to hear their bad yelps if you're a business? You don't. Yeah. So we just don't talk about it. Not only you that know what too, I mean? But you don't know who's being disingenuous too, you know, giving you some fucking sob story so they can, you know, and really, yeah. they're just the guy. They're the guy on eBay, too. Dude, you know? knowing my luck, I would be like, yeah, bullshit. And then he's like, sends me, like, like medical records or something. I'm like, oh, God, I feel like such an asshole. Yeah. It's like, you know, so. Fuck. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm at a point now with, like, I really like Cause, but I'm not going to be buying any more of his works um, at, re- at any kind of resale because of um him doing these um uh reissuing and stuff because i took a pretty bad beating on on a piece already um because oh yeah yeah i mean it was it wasn't crazy but it was just uh it was the pink bff right Mm -hmm. and i bought bought it off a guy what did i pay exactly like 1800 canadian or something like that i paid about 1800 bucks for it and then a week later he re-released it so open edition baby let's go it's the worst timed buy i've ever seen to be honest like so i just got crushed i was like this is bullshit yeah no one could have ever seen it coming it just like all of a sudden was like for real like i owned that pink bf i ended up paying uh retail for the bff and selling it for 600 bucks or something like that because i was sick of looking at it uh once everything had kind of tanked yeah. yeah, I would just never buy anything open edition from him. That's for sure. No way. Because it will go back on the market. 
Mm -hmm. I sold everything that I had from cause that wasn't stuff that I truly enjoyed looking at. So uh, like I I kept one clean slate. Jamie convinced me to only focus on one kind of colorway um, for for all the pieces. And uh, so I I kept one clean slate, the brown one, and then I I kept all three colors of the togethers and all three uh, colors of the open edition, just companions. Because I feel like they're just, they're just too OG. Like I I really like having those like OG aspect parts in my collection. Like I want to have that original Johnny in Paris where I want to have that piece that like, you know, spiked off where you went in a certain direction kind of thing. Listen, I can't talk shit about cause cause he wished me a happy birthday. Um, nice. Hey, cool, but, man. But, uh, yeah, dude, a lot of people fucking don't, a lot of people uh, word on the street is he's a dick. Yeah. Sorry, cause I don't <laughs> I think so, that, but I've heard that more than once, man. But yeah, dude. Um, but what, listen, at what point, at what point do you become successful enough that you can be a dick? I don't get it. Like, I would never, like, if you're like, hey, man, I love your art. I'm like, cool, fuck you. I'm not signing your book. Well, he's like, always been a dick. It's not like, I don't, as far as I know. Well, that's the thing. Who knows? Maybe he's just always been an asshole. And if that's the case, fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. As I, long I as it's consistent. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, if you became famous and became an asshole, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I don't like that. That's Who are some cool. of your other artists that, you're, that you really enjoy, man? Like, obviously, Cause is someone that we all like. Um, but who else? Um, I really like Norman Rockwell. I'm a big Norman Rockwell fan. I mean, are we talking dead people or are we talking live people? Well, let's do, let's do, top, let's do, let's, let's do both. Let's do both categories. Let's start with dead. I love I love Norman Rockwell. I love that he's an American painter. I love the stories that he tells in his imagery. I think it's awesome. Um, I was fortunate enough to see a lot of his work in DC once upon a time. Warhol is such an inspiration to me. That might sound super cliche, but like Warhol is just in my idol, man. I love him. Um, I don't really, another dead artist, I don't really know, man. Those are my top two. I'm going to just stick with my top two because I'm just going to use a filler if I give you they a third. Norman Rockwell. Living. Kim Mars. Check him out. He's a UK artist. Um, really, you know, abstract work. Really, really good guy. Flore um, is amazing. He's a New York artist that's down in Miami right now. Um, man, I, I, I like Jerk. I'm not gonna lie, like I'm I'm a big jerk fan. Um, I love jerk. I think jerk jerk is in his own lane. We we use a lot of the same references, but man, that guy just he makes me want to be better, man. He makes me challenge myself with the shit he comes out with. So you know, I got to give him respect. And uh, Wizard Skull, I love. Uh, I've been homies with Wizard Skull for maybe like five or six, seven years now. Um, I used to ping questions off of him when I was on. You know, coming up, I was like, hey, man, how do I do this? How do I do this? And it was like a legit question. I didn't just want answers. It was, you know, how do you deal with this aspect or whatever? And he was willing enough to, you know, give me some tips and pointers and stuff like that. Again, as long as I did the work, you know. So, Wizard School is up there with me. So, that's cool. So, do you what have. Any- should, I, what about you guys? Huh? What about you guys? I mean, you don't have okay. to say my name. Okay, okay. <laughs> I think uh, for me, um, Jerkface and uh, Cause and yeah, Paul 
Linsec, Tavier Kalia. Gotcha. Uh, those are probably. What about dead? Huh? What about dead? Dead. Dead artists. Oh, dead artists. Jerry Garcia, man. Huh? I said Jerry Garcia. Jerry Garcia, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> for sure, Andy Warhol, for sure. Mm. Oh, and a living. I also love Jeffrey Coons. Can never afford anything of his, but amazing. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, Andy Warhol, and um, yeah, I don't know, man. I can't. Uh... It's a tough question, man. I, I had trouble mm. with it. <laughs> like, it's a on the spot. Yeah, Andy Warhol. Yeah, maybe uh, Keith Haring. Um, Haring, I was gonna say, is my top one dead for sure. Yeah. Okay, so go. So you, your turn, Zach. What do you got? Well, Keith Haring for sure. I mean, Andy Warhol's got to be in anybody's conversation to dead artists because I think he owes we owe a lot of like what the marketing and branding of what art is today to him. Um, I think a lot of like what Cause does or what you do, even Johnny, is like really inspired by Andy Warhol with just like even color negatives of things and different you know palettes of the same image. And then. Um, so, uh, so for and I, I, just an interesting thing about dead artists, dude. But did you guys know that um, Da Vinci? No, not Da Vinci. Fucking uh, uh, who's that? The artist. One second. That guy who died in like 1970. Oh, the, the, so I didn't even think of uh, uh, Jean uh, Basquiat. Like, yeah, of course. Basquiat. Basquiat. I'm a huge Basquiat fan. I don't know why I didn't think of it, but. On the spot, it's like your mind like goes like wild. And you, I know. Like, you like living artist. I was gonna say George Condos. I really, I would really oh, put up. Oh, see, I forgot Condo. I love Condo. Yeah, I yeah, really Kondo, love him. Yeah, I saw. I got to saw some of his originals when I was in New York, man, and I was blown away with the, just the way they felt in person. But like, here's the thing. Here's the here's the here's an outlook for you. Like all. I use basketball as an analogy, use basketball and music as an analogy, but like all NBA players don't know each other. You know what I mean? Like you could ask, you know, Jason Tatum, who's on the Celtics, like, Hey man, what do you think about the Lakers? And he'd be like, Hey man, we're just worried about what we're doing here in Boston, trying to get better. You know, he doesn't know LeBron's statistics. He doesn't know how much he, he scored, you know, last week in his averages. And I think as an artist, it, that's kind of true in the same uh, in the same uh, sentence, which is like I love a lot of artists, but in the big scheme of things, like I'm not looking at what everyone else is mm -hmm. doing because I'm just worried about what I'm doing. So it's funny because I got a, I got a comparison with another artist. It's like, oh, you know, this looks like this guy's, and I was like, who the, I don't who the fuck is that guy? You know what I mean? I just I didn't uh, I never I don't even know who this person is. Uh, obviously, we're in such a, a lane that, you know, sometimes references do cross over, but I'm not really looking at the playing field as opposed to collectors see everyone. You know what I mean? Yeah, everyone on a screen as opposed to just I'm playing for the Celtics. Really I just thought, care about man. what's going on. Yeah. Um, so who I meant when I, when I said Da Vinci earlier, I was an idiot. Uh, <laughs> brain what I said, what I meant was Picasso. And he um, oh. did you guys know he died in 1973? No, I know it was like 
recently, but I thought the dude lived. I thought the dude lived in like the 1500s up until like two weeks ago. I was like, I'm, no, dude, my mind was fucking blown. I actually thought, dude, if I would have asked me. I would have thought he was dead in the 1800s for sure. Right? Uh, <laughs> what? I thought that too. I thought Picasso was like a like a 200, 300 years ago, and then like there was a photo of him like in a wife beater. Like, you know, maybe and maybe might have been wearing some Nikes. <laughs> like, like, there's no way. There's no way. I would have looked at that and been like, oh, my God, that's evidence of time travel. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, dude. He's a ghost. He's a ghost. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're, we're coming up on, on our time limit here, bro. But what, what do we yeah. – one thing that we usually like to ask a lot of our guests is if they have any ghost stories or paranormal stories, aliens, stuff like that. Yeah, I got – I got one. I got one. Let's hear it. Well, do I? Do you want me to go first? Or you guys? No, go we don't have any stuff. It's your got ours. This is you. Oh, you don't. Oh, so I live in. So I live in Watertown, which is literally like right outside Boston, and I'm like 45 minutes away from Salem, um, which where all the the witch trials and all stuff right. happened, all which right. is. Complete bullshit. No. Like, no, I'm so in right now. No, no, this isn't, this isn't, that's a big, I, I'm hyping it. <laughs> I just thought that was bullshit because if they thought that you were a witch, they put you in like the well, and if you drowned, you weren't a witch, but if you came back out, you were a witch, and they throw you back in the well. So you're like damned if you do, damned if you don't. So around Halloween, it gets, it gets crazy. It's a shit show. You can't even, you can't even get within like an hour of the town because of traffic um, without sitting in additional traffic. It's crazy. And I went up maybe two or three weeks before Halloween and we did like a tour and they do the tours of the cemeteries. I think the movie Clue was filmed there and maybe Hocus Pocus. Um, and so we're doing a tour of a graveyard and I was already it was around the time OJ Simpson killed a bunch of people. So like I was a young kid and that was such a prevalent story um, that I was just afraid of everything. And the lady's giving us a tour of, uh, of the graveyard and I see this like black shadow go like running, running around from grave to grave. And I didn't think anything of it. So then the lady continued her story and she was like, oh, by the way, there's a fucking ghost or some shit that runs from grave to grave. She gave me a name. I forget the guy's name. She's like, you know, they say, you know, sometimes you can see him, sometimes you can't. And I literally just saw the motherfucker. I was like, holy shit. I just saw him like fucking two seconds ago running from grave to grave. So I think, uh, I think I saw a ghost, but I don't know. Holy shit. That's yeah. cool. It, yeah. I don't, so it, like, it like happened it to you and there. then you were like freaked out in your own head about it. And then someone like validated it and kind of, you were like, Oh my God, yeah, that's what so I saw. I I saw it, I saw it, and then as the story continued, it got brought up that there actually was somebody that ran from grave to grave, but I saw, I saw it before the story was ever told. So I got like super spooked. And then I remember like maybe a week later, I was at home by myself in a shelf fell in a closet. And I thought it was OJ Simpson coming to kill me. So I ran out of my house. My mom was at a meeting for like three hours. I ran out of my house, no shoes. I had shorts, no shirt. And I ran my local Blockbuster. And I was in Blockbuster looking like a, you know, a street kid. And they're like, what's going on, bud? Like, and I was like, listen, OJ Simpson's in my fucking house. And he's trying to, he's, he's trying to kill me. 
so they ended up like calling my school where my mom was at at, at a meeting and uh and she had to come get me. I was there for like two hours, dude. Because so. <laughs> OJ was coming to get you. OJ was coming to get me, man. So, yeah. We got that. home. My mom's like, where is he? And she opened the closet and the shelf had fallen. So I was, uh, you know, I was a little back in the day, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> That's so, an amazing yeah. story, dude. Yeah. Fuck, man. So Boston, uh, you guys aren't having the crazy COVID outbreak like New York or nothing, huh? We're getting up there. I think with the more testing that they're doing, the numbers are skyrocketing. Our numbers are relatively like lowish, but once the testing rolls out, you start seeing who actually has, who's got the big C and who doesn't, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. I was looking at the numbers and uh, in, um, in the United States, it's at 1.1 million with uh, 65,000 deaths mm. and uh, we have 54,000 cases. Oh, really? Um, um, and uh, 3,300 deaths. Um, so, but I think that the, I think the state of New York has more than Canada. Yeah, and, alone. Yeah. Listen, I'm not too political, but I'll just, I'll call it what it is. Our president sucks. Yeah, it's just I. It's just I mean, just how we've handled this. I just it's just really confusing for Americans. I feel like, and you don't you know you get you get a piece of information for him, and then like eight pieces of information from him that contradict the first piece of information, and you just don't really know what to believe. And then you're relying on news sources, and you know they scare the shit out of you. You know, so it's just like this panic, this sense of panic of, you know. So I might be coming to Vancouver to hang out with you guys. And, yeah, you know, no doubt, mask up, you know. More than welcome. Should, bro. More Thanks. Than, uh, yeah, I would love to come. So we would love to have you. I mean, uh, Freehand Profit has been up here from LA and hung out, and we're gonna get Dubin out here, and maybe we'll get you and Dubin to come out, and the, you know, nice. That'd be fun, man. And we'll that'd show be great. You. Little Mikey D, love it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be amazing. And uh, I'm going to have to get some Johnny in Paris in my uh, collection. So for everybody watching and listening, you can find Johnny in Paris uh, at Instagram at what, Johnny in Paris? Yeah, no and, spaces, all one word. Yeah, Johnny in Paris. And uh, your website, same, same or? Same, all the all same. The same. The last, last question real quick. Do you shop at Bass Pro Shop? You know, I, I knew someone asked me that the other day, like, dude, you're fucking poser. I'm like, no, I go, I go. Um, yeah, man, I like, I don't have one, but I want to get an ATV. Um, obviously I haven't gone since our States like shut down recently, but I usually go and check out some fishing gear and ATVs and stuff like that. Okay. So yeah, man. So I, I, I can wear this. Out. Yeah. It's a good place, dude. They got good snacks too. So. Yeah, yeah, they do. Johnny Big Bass Pro uh, collab. Coming soon. There you go. Johnny and, and Bass Pro Shop. Well, <laughs> we uh, we really appreciate you uh, coming on the show, man. And uh, cool. thank you for having me. And if you're into it, we'd love to have you on again yeah. sometime. And uh, yeah, for sure. Do some uh, bullshitting, whatever. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you. So uh, on behalf of the Main and Hastings podcast, I'm Jamie Juicefer with Zach Menace. And our very special guest, Johnny in Paris, thank you so much. Thank you, guys.